Our scripture text this morning comes from Proverbs, but to show you the continuity of God's word, the passage I will be reading will be from chapter 1 of St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. I not only invite you, but I encourage you to follow along, please. If you do not have a Bible, even though the chairs have been moved around, you should be able to find one at a chair in front of you. You will find 1 Corinthians chapter 1 on page 952. We're going to start reading at verse 18, and we're going to read all the way through to the end of the chapter. Hear the words of the one, the only, the true living God. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise, according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you who are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Here is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Tim. I want to encourage you to open your Bibles, if you would, now to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. Let's pray together. Father, as we open up your word, we are so thankful that you have revealed yourself to us through your word, the living word and the written word. And I pray that you would help all of us now to hear what you have to say to us from your word. I ask that you would enable me by your spirit to say what your word says. And I pray that you would take the truth of your word and carry it to each one's heart, young and old alike, and and teach us, reveal to us the things that you want us to hear and see. 
and help us to believe it and help us to live in accordance to it. So, Father, we thank you even now for the way that you'll work. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'd like to know uh, how many times this week you said, God, I, I need your wisdom. For me personally, I am constantly in need of God's wisdom. And remember, wisdom by definition is the God-given ability to make godly choices in the nitty-gritty details of life. That means we must know what God wants and we must have the desire and the power to do what God says is right and best. And both of those things come from God. I, I need wisdom to know how to understand my own heart and desires. I, I need God's wisdom to understand why I do the things that I do or say the things that I say. I, I need God's wisdom for relationships. Have you ever noticed that at times relationships can get messy? We need God's wisdom. I, I need lots of wisdom for my own heart and life, but I also need lots of wisdom for ministering to others, for encouraging others, for exhorting others, for giving counsel to others, for correcting and re rebuking, for resolving conflict, for confessing my own sin and seeking forgiveness from others, for knowing how to plan for the future. I, I could go on and on. I, I never outgrow the need for God to give wisdom. And thankfully, thankfully, He promises to give wisdom generously to all who ask in faith without doubting. James 1 teaches us that. And Proverbs is one of the ways that God gives wisdom. But it's important to remember how wisdom comes to us through Proverbs. So this morning, let me give you three interpretive helps when reading Proverbs. First, remember that Proverbs exposes your own folly. When God gives you eyes to see, you, you can read Proverbs and see your own folly. <laughs> now, this, this can happen before you become a Christian or when God is drawing your heart to Him. So when you see God's wisdom in Proverbs, you, and if you are honest and humble about what you see in your own life, you, you will see your own foolishness. And seeing your own folly helps you to see that you desperately need a Savior. But then, even after God saves you through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, born-again believers can also read Proverbs and see remaining sin, those old stubborn patterns of sin. You, you can see where and how God wants you to grow and change. So it's important to realize that for all people, God use, uses Proverbs to see, help us to see our own folly and our desperate need for a Savior. But there's a second thing to remember, and it's this, that Proverbs reveals wisdom in the person of Jesus. I say that for a couple of reasons. One, 
we learned in chapter 1, and we'll see again in chapter 8 and chapter 9, that the voice of wisdom makes its appeal through lady wisdom. So we, we should not think of wisdom as some cold, abstract principle or truth. Rather, wisdom is personal, it's warm, it's beautiful. The voice of wisdom is appealing and desirous. Hence, Lady Wisdom speaks. She calls out for all to hear. And in Proverbs 31, in the text where we often talk about the excellent wife, what is talked about certainly applies to a wife, but it's much more than that. The excellent wife passage is an an appeal to embrace the beautiful and full life that only wisdom can give. So even in Proverbs, wisdom is personified, which means wisdom is revealed as a person. But secondly, when you come to the New Testament, we're taught clearly that Jesus is wisdom to us from God. 1 Corinthians 1.30, which... Tim already read, says this, and because of him, because of God, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification of redemption. So Jesus embodies wisdom and reveals God's wisdom. So when reading Proverbs, God enables you to see and to savor the beauty of wisdom in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus always does what is best and right in God's eyes. Something that we have never done. And Jesus teaches us what is right and best in life. It is Jesus who enables us to make godly choices in the nitty-gritty details of life. And then thirdly, Proverbs helps those redeemed by Jesus to grow in wisdom. Um, You would never read Proverbs and conclude that there is enough wisdom in yourself, by yourself, to navigate through life. Instead, a proper reading of Proverbs reveals that it's Jesus who is filled with the knowledge and ability and, and desire to do God's will perfectly at all times in every situation. And it's this Jesus who will come to the earth, who, who came to the earth for the purpose of laying down his life as the atoning sacrifice for our foolishness and sin. It's through faith in Jesus that we're forgiven and counted righteous. And it's in Jesus that we grow up in knowledge and wisdom as redeemed people. Uh, Listen to what the Apostle Paul teaches in Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It's a little bit longer text, but it's really good. Listen um, as I I read. So when, when speaking to a body of redeemed people in Colossae, a church, Paul says this in verse 1 of chapter 2 in Colossians, For I want you to know... How great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden 
all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and all authority, end of quote. So it's plain to see that what or who we need more than any other for life and godliness is, in fact, Jesus. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And as we are built up in him, we will grow in wisdom and So with those interpretive helps, let's turn our attention now to uh, chapter 6, beginning with verse 20. And here we're going to begin to see some benefits from being attentive to wisdom, to listen to wisdom. Um, And incidentally, I I love having kids on the front row of the church. Way to go, Ethan and Owen. Good job. when our kids were little and they sat with us in church, I never told them to be quiet. I told them to listen. You can be quiet and your mind can be somewhere else, but if you're attentive, you're listening to what God says through his word. And that's what I want for all of you this morning. There are benefits to being attentive to wisdom. And here in these verses, we, we learn some of the ways those redeemed by Jesus benefit from wisdom. And first of all, being attentive to, attentive to wisdom implies relationship, and that's a good thing. Um, the, the immediate context of Proverbs here in chapters 1 through 9 in particular, but all of Proverbs, the immediate context is a wise father and mother teaching their son. So God puts a desire in parents to teach their children and to equip them for life. Um, that, that takes place in the context of a relationship. So parents know and love their children more than any other, and so In these first nine chapters of Proverbs, we hear again and again things like we hear in verse 20 and 21, and I quote, My son, keep your father's commandments and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always, tie them around your neck. And and then again in chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, we hear the same thing, my son, Keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Now, I I know not all parents are good parents. But it's God's design, and in fact, God commands 
parents to love their children and to teach their children so that they are prepared for a life lived for God's glory. And that is a good thing. So let me say to you children this morning, to you teens that are here this morning, to you young adults that are here this morning, if you have parents who love you and who teach you and equip you for life, lived under the sweet authority of Jesus, I want you to know that you are blessed. That's a rich blessing to have parents who want to teach you to live under the sweet authority of Jesus. The question is, do you see it that way? (laughs) Do you see it that way? Do you thank your parents for teaching you? I would encourage you to do that. Do, Do you listen to mom and dad when they speak? Do you value what they say? Do, do you want to learn from mom and dad? God, God wants you to be attentive to the wisdom that they, as parents, impart to you. In fact, in chapter 7, verses 1 through 4, we see that very thing. The second half of verse 2 of chapter 7 begins by saying, Keep my teaching as the apple of your eye. Now, the apple of your eye, literally, in the Hebrew, is the pupil of your eye, or the center of your eye, the primary place where light comes into your eye. Keep the center of your eye on my teaching, says the wise parent to the child. Now, I loved playing baseball, and I heard from coaches a gazillion times, um, keep your eye on the ball. <laughs> uh, you, you will never hit the ball, you will never feel the ball, you will never catch the ball if you lose sight of the ball. So keep your eye on the ball, you got to do it. Uh, Tim is here, he played first base, I played third base when we played softball together. Third base is the hot corner, and uh, you, you had to be on your toes, and you had to be watching, you had to be careful, because that ball's coming to you quick, and sometimes I just kind of went like this, and I got it anyway, but really you're taught to keep your eye on the ball, and Tim dug a lot of my balls out of the dirt that I threw to, to first base, but we're taught again and again, keep your eye on the ball. Likewise, you will never be equipped for life if you lose sight of the wise instruction and teaching given to you by your parents. So pay careful attention to wisdom so that you can develop the knowledge and the desire and the ability to make choices in life that will please and honor Jesus. This kind of learning happens in the context of a relationship with your parents. And that's a good thing. But as we go on to verses 3 and 4, God wants you to develop a relationship, not just with your parents, but with wisdom. Verse 3 says, Bind them, this instruction that comes from a wise father. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, You are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. 
Now, as, as was mentioned earlier, the writer of Proverbs personifies wisdom. Lady wisdom speaks to you and wants you to listen. Uh, even more in the New Testament, uh, the New Testament teaches that Jesus is full of wisdom. In Jesus are all of the treasures of wisdom. So if you're going to grow in wisdom, you must grow in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus must be your intimate friend. You must love Jesus more than anyone or anything in life. And that is why God commands parents to teach the Scriptures to their children because it's the Scriptures that prepare the heart of a child for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So says 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, parents should want their children to know God through faith in Jesus Christ and then to grow in a relationship with Him, to learn from Jesus and to follow Jesus. So being attentive to wisdom implies relationship, first with parents and ultimately with Jesus. And that, again, is a good things. You won't benefit from wisdom without Jesus. Secondly, being attentive to wisdom benefits every aspect of your life. Chapter 6, verse 22 says this about the teachings of a wise parent. Verse 22, when you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. So every part of your life will benefit from wisdom. Uh, when, when you walk is another way of saying as you live from day to day. Wisdom will show you how to live. When you lie down or when you sleep, wisdom will watch over you. Uh, when you put your head on the pillow at night, you will be able to rest and sleep. If, if you are a fool, you will stay awake restless about the consequences of being a fool. Wisdom leads you to live the best life because you will be living in step with the teachings of Jesus. And also, when, when you are awake, wisdom will talk with you. So as, as you sleep, as you awake, as you live every day, all of life, that's the point, all of life will benefit from being attentive to wisdom. There is never a time or place in life where wisdom will disappoint. Now, when you learn from Jesus and follow Jesus, every part of your life will benefit. A, a life lived following Jesus it's, is, in fact, the best life. It's all of not life, not just Sunday morning at church. So, do you, do you want to know God? <laughs> learn, learn from Jesus. Do do you want to know what God thinks about you? Learn from Jesus. Do you want to learn how to think about yourself? Learn from Jesus. Do you, do you want to know what to do to become a good friend? Learn from Jesus. Do you want to know what to do when you are afraid? Learn from Jesus. Do you want to know how to say no to temptation? Learn from Jesus. Do you want to learn how to talk with other people? Learn from Jesus. 
you want to learn how to make your life count for God's glory, learn from Jesus. I could go on and on, but you get the point. Learning from wisdom or learning from Jesus benefits every area of your life. In fact, being attentive to wisdom leads you in the way of life. Again, when speaking of the teaching of a wise parent, chapter 6, verse 23 says this, for the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light and the reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Do, do any of you like flashlights? Or is it just me? I, I, I like flashlights. Um, flashlights continue to get better and better. Uh, brighter and brighter. Today, you, you can pack a lot of lumens into a relatively small flashlight. Um, being in the fire department means you have to have a good flashlight. Um, we, we respond to many different types of emergencies at night. Sometimes, um, sometimes we search uh, sometimes we're, we're getting injured people out of a car, a, a, a car crash late at night. Sometimes we're searching for lost or injured people in the woods at night. A, a good flashlight is essential for firefighters to go into a dark, smoke-filled building at night or even in the day. Even as a chaplain of the fire department, I have to have a small pocket-sized flashlight that will give a lot of light when needed. But what I carry in my pocket as the chaplain for the fire department is nothing compared to the Milwaukee Tool battery-operated lights that come off of the fire truck to light up an entire scene. Um, the point is rescue personnel can't do their work at nighttime without proper lighting. So too, you can't live in this dark world without the light of wisdom, or the light of Jesus. The, the teachings and wisdom of Jesus shed light on your path so that you know the way of life. As the end of verse 23 says, you'll, you'll stumble in a dark forest without a good light. So too you will stumble and fall in life without the light of Jesus that illumines your path. You need the light of Jesus to correct you when you get off the path of life. You need the light of Jesus to stay on the right path of life. That is why verse seven or chapter 7, verses 1 and 2 say, My son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Now, when you look carefully at numerous themes throughout chapters 10 through 31 of Proverbs. We're focusing more expositionally in chapters 1 through 9. When we get to chapter 10, we'll look at uh, some selected themes that we see again and again throughout that portion of Scripture. But when, when we get to that point where we're looking at chapters 10 through 31, you will learn even more about the many, many benefits of wisdom. But for now, in summary, if you are attentive to wisdom, you're blessed to live in a relationship with Jesus. Every 
part of your life will benefit from what Jesus teaches you. And in fact, Jesus will teach you the way of life. So, if you want life instead of death, listen to wisdom. Listen to Jesus. Now, our second main point this morning is a list of dangers you will avoid by being attentive to wisdom. And first of all, we learn that being attentive to wisdom protects you from sexual sin. The, the danger of sexual sin was addressed in Proverbs 5, which we've already talked about. It is addressed again in chapter 6 and then again in chapter 7. The, the wise father here devotes a lot of words to warn his son about the dangers of sexual sin, and more particular, the seductive woman. Now, this isn't to say men aren't seductive or sinfully aggressive in pursuing women, but the context of Proverbs is that of a wise father teaching his son. But both boys and girls, men and women, must take these warnings that we have here to heart. In, in chapter 6, verse 23, we, we've already read, it talks about how the Father's wise instructions are a light or a lamp to show the Son the path of life. The very next verse, verse 24, goes further by warning of a very specific danger to avoid. The Father's wise teaching is meant, verse 24, to preserve you from the evil woman, from the smooth tongue of the adulteress. Do not desire her beauty in your heart, and do not let her capture you with her eyelashes, for the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread, but a married man hunts down a precious life. So it is God's will for a husband and wife to remain pure in the covenant of marriage. Not before marriage, not, be, not after or outside of marriage. And, and all of you, boys and men in particular, must prepare yourself for times of temptation. Temptation will come. That's the point the wise father is making with his son. There will be people who will try to lead you astray. And so you must guard your heart and protect your life so that you will not be led astray by the seductive woman. That's why you need wisdom. That's why you need to learn from and follow Jesus. That's why you must learn to love Jesus more than any other. And, and then in verse 5 of chapter 7, it continues even with even more reasons why wisdom is needed. So listen to the language here used to describe how how tempting the forbidden woman really is. Verse 5 of chapter 7 says this, to the, the instruction from a wise father is given to keep you from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words. For at the window of my house I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the ewes a young man lacking sense, passing along the street, street near her corner, taking the road to her house in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. 
Verse 10, And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and in every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him, and with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I've paid my vows, so now I've come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from the Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a money bag with him. At full moon he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. So the seductive woman will spare no expense. In fact, go to great lengths to lead you astray. So dads and moms, you... You have the job. You must prepare your children for those strong and deceptive temptations that will come to your sons and daughters. Uh, Wisdom that comes from living in a relationship with Jesus is needed so that you will know what God desires and want what God desires and have the strength to do what God desires so that you can make godly choices when temptations come. Being attentive to wisdom protects you from sexual sin. That's the first application of these verses. But there's something else going on here. When when you understand how Proverbs reveals lady wisdom, you also see how Proverbs warns against woman folly. And being attentive to wisdom protects you from woman folly. Um, This is an important point. Foolishness is evil, it's deceptive, it's brazen, and it's seductive. Just like the forbidden woman. And wisdom is needed to protect you from its appeal and temptation in life. It's tempting to be lazy, but it will destroy your life. It it sounds so appealing to make money your security in life, but it will always disappoint. It sounds so easy to cheat to make more money, but it will always come back to haunt you. It's easy to speak before you listen, but it will leave you with lots of regret. It, It may feel good to slander or gossip your neighbor, but relationships will be destroyed. A harsh word may make you feel good, but it will incite more anger. I could go on and on, but you get the point. It's not just sexual sin that is so tempting. Folly, in all of its forms, makes a strong appeal for the desires of your heart, the control of your heart. And only wisdom will protect you from the seductive nature of woman folly. Now, there's a third reason why you need wisdom. It's this, being attentive to wisdom protects you from devastating consequences in life. So the wise father warns his son about the devastating consequences of being led astray by the forbidden woman. It's 
true too when considering the consequences of being led astray by woman folly. Listen, beginning in chapter 6, verse 27. Can a man carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? And the answer is obvious, no. (laughs) If you play with fire, you will get burnt with fire. So, verse 29, so, so is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. There, there are, in fact, devastating consequences for committing adultery. And there are devastating consequences for embracing woman folly. Verse 30, people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he is hungry, but if he is caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. So there, there are some things that are clearly wrong in God's eyes, and there will be consequences if you do them. But there are other sins that bring an even greater level of devastating consequences, like committing adultery with another person, and like committing spiritual adultery when you love folly instead of wisdom. Verse 32 says, He who commits adultery lacks sense. He who does it destroys himself. He will get wounds and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be wiped away. For jealousy makes a man furious, and he will not spare when he takes revenge. He will accept no compensation. He will refuse, though you multiply gifts. So, you probably understand the jealousy that a husband might have who catches his wife with another man. Jealousy is a strong emotion that often exacts revenge, even in brutal ways. Now, keep that in mind, but go with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 asked an interesting question. And then the answer is even more interesting. But James chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, asks this question, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? So sometimes we think the other person's the problem, but really the problem is the war in our heart between what we want and what God wants. Verse 2, your desire, or excuse me, you desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly, to spend it on your own passions. Now look at verse 4. What does verse 4 say? You adulterous people. In other words, you are guilty of spiritual adultery when you love your own selfish desires more than God and His desire for you. 
Verse 4 goes on, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says, He, that is God, yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in us. So, when you desire your own self-serving desires more than God Himself, it's spiritual adultery. And God becomes jealous for the affections of your heart. Remember, we were talking about the jealous husband in Proverbs 7. Um, Here, when we commit spiritual adultery and we love our own self-serving desires more than we love God, God is jealous for the affections of our heart. And God becomes, uh, when, when God becomes jealous, he, he yearns for you to love Him first and foremost. Now again, in Proverbs, we learn that normally jealous husbands are exacting and seek revenge. But listen to verse 6 of James 4. What a contrast. Here is the heart and wisdom of our redeeming God. Verse 6. But He gives more grace. (laughs) But He gives more grace. God gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It is quite astounding to think about the mercy and the grace of God given to us in the person of Jesus. When when redeemed people are guilty of spiritual adultery, God gives more grace. A grace that leads us to be humble and repent. That's the point of that whole passage. What I want you to see is that being attentive to Jesus protects you from devastating consequences of both physical and spiritual adultery. And then just kind of summing up this whole text, and we're done. Uh, Verse 24 through 27 of chapter 7, just kind of pull this all together by saying this, being attentive to wisdom protects you from death. Verse 24, And now, O sons, listen to me, and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim as she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. So that, this here is really the, the real danger. It's death. God's judgment. Before, before you give in to spiritual, before you give in to the temptation of spiritual adultery or physical adultery, you have to think carefully about the consequences. Separation from God forever. Suffering the torments of hell forever. God's just wrath. Death. There, there is a lot at stake, and that is why we need Jesus. And thankfully, 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, 
And because of Him, because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So listening to and following Jesus brings great benefit. And being attentive to wisdom by being attentive to Jesus, you will avoid death and judgment. So I ask you this morning, young and old alike, will you listen to wisdom? Will you listen to and follow Jesus? Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful that in your great love and mercy, you've shown us our own foolishness, our own folly. In your great love and mercy and grace, you have also revealed to us Jesus, who is full of wisdom. And you have revealed to us that we desperately need to be redeemed by Jesus. And it's only in Jesus that we can grow in wisdom. And so, Father, I pray that for all of us here this morning, young and old alike, would you, by your Spirit, give us the desire and the ability to learn from Jesus and to follow Jesus with all of our heart. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.